The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Books, movies, and TV have popularized the near-death experience to the extent that many people are ready to talk about their NDE just as soon as they've recovered from their accident or illness. But one place where patients don't dare discuss their NDEs is in the military. Their soldier and sailor experiencers can be sent to a psychiatrist, lose their benefits or security clearances, and even find themselves discharged for reporting visions of meeting deceased relatives or encountering the light and love of God during an NDE. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Our guest today is Diane Corcoran, RN, Ph.D., and the president of IANS. Diane didn't know what to make of a Vietnam soldier's story back in 1969. Turns out he was trying to tell her about his near-death experience on the battlefield. The term NDE was unknown then, but military nurse Diane could see that what he had gone through was life-changing. And since that day, more than 40 years ago, Diane has made it her mission to learn more about those who report near-death experiences, especially war veterans. As a result of that Vietnam encounter, Diane has been involved in teaching healthcare professionals about NDEs for over 40 years. Dr. Corcoran is a retired colonel in the Army Nurse Corps and has been deeply involved in helping veterans deal with emotional reactions to their NDEs. Her first appearance on NDE Radio is archived back in January of 2014. Diane, welcome back to NDE Radio. Thanks, Lee. Glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. Diane, since your last visit to this show, you were featured in a present production uh, titled Diane Corcoran, NDEs and the Military, which can be seen on YouTube. And there you mentioned uh, your dad as having an NDE, and I, I wonder if you could tell us about that. Yes, he, um, uh, when I was in graduate school, uh, and home on leave for a couple of days, he had a heart attack and was taken to the ER and resuscitated. <clears throat> and he, um, briefly described to me what I knew to be kind of a typical NDE. He was not a man who believed in any of these things. And so he did describe it, but he said, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and so, unfortunately, we never got to really uh, talk about that again. So, it, you know, um, he just didn't want to let go of all those things, and I respected his wishes. Oh, of course. But it must have been, uh, it must have given you a secret joy to see that his uh, opinion about NDEs has, had been changed so radically. Yes, uh, I did. Although, um, I, just recently I was talking about NDEs at a dinner table with some new friends and they basically said, oh gee, they'd lost a loved one fairly recently and said, I, I just don't believe in any of those things. And then she goes on to tell me that she had seen her husband return. Um, and, you know, she was very aware that he was here. And I said, well, you know, that's 
not an NDE, but it's an associated type of thing. She says, I know it. I believe he was here, but I don't believe in any of those things. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought, okay, the heart, whatever. The <laughs> heart and the you mind at war. Yeah, yeah. Um, you also mentioned on that same show that you uh, think you might have had an NDE yourself at age four. Yes, I, I now, after, you know, talking to a lot of people and really looking at um, some long-term uh, after-effects, I, I believe I probably did have one. I don't remember anything about it, but that, of course, is something that happens to a lot of people and children. I basically started to bleed significantly after I had my tonsils out. So I was home already. I had come home in the morning, but then was coughing up copious amounts of blood and taken back to the hospital to have a transfusion. Um, So I do believe I had one, and that probably led me on this path, but uh, certainly I wasn't aware of it at the time. And um, is given me the sensitivity uh, to follow that curiosity that I had with the young soldier. And as you said, here I am, forty some years later, still <laughs> with the curiosity, still supporting people and trying to educate medical folks. Wow. Oh. Okay, let's jump into the military for a moment and. Um... Give the audience some background on how the military treats the reports of NDEs, and has that changed uh, very much since 1969? Well, I I think there are some folks in the military who are certainly aware of NDEs. I've done some talks to uh, the chaplains and nurses down at Brook Army Medical Center to different um, medical groups. But how they are actually treated, they usually end up, uh, if they have PTSD and physical things, um, they end up with a psychiatrist or in a PTSD clinic. And that's where they would typically try to tell somebody. And I'm not so sure. I, I know of a couple of uh, psychiatrists. Um, certainly we have them at IANS, but in the VA that are very aware of it. But I don't think they end up treating them um, really significantly differently or openly about near-death experience. And um, what I've seen is uh, the few that I've seen lately, because they simply don't talk about it, and I'm trying to open up a dialogue so we could, is a couple that were over-medicated um, medicated and really misdiagnosed, um, because, you know, for them to tell people that they died and went to heaven and woke up and and saw God or, you know, whatever they did see, um, unless you're really familiar with that, and unfortunately a lot of um, mental health people are not, which is, you know, really surprising at this day and age. Mm-hmm. Well, I find uh, I, I serve temporary or occasionally, I should say, at um, the uh, psychiatric hospital that is attached to our general hospital here in Maine. And I find that the people working there in psychiatry aren't particularly uh, sympathetic to the notion of NDEs. Um, 
But in the military, it seems like it must be even worse. What's the reaction of your military chaplains to uh, actually? I've had yes, I've had more success with the chaplains than with the physicians. At least in my previous experience, I have had um, military chaplains um, support a uh, workshop or uh, a lecture on NDEs. So I think they're certainly more open to it. Um, how much they know about it, you know, we just don't know. We have no idea how many um, veterans have NDEs because there's never been any statistics gathered, which would be a wonderful um, uh, situation to understand if we could gather some and be able to show the military, because my own feeling is with the kinds of injuries they've had, that there are a high percentage of um, veterans who have had traumatic amputees and really severe problems, and then they go on to have some have severe PTSD. So an NDE on top of that would just, just about probably create another whole situation for them because they don't know how to deal with what they have. And to have a near-death experience, which I believe could probably be very healing in many ways, is just another difficulty without someone to really support them and and educate them on it. Mm. Uh, the, the musician Yo-Yo Ma noted recently that you can turn fear into joy when you receive something within that becomes your own. And it sounds like the NDEs that soldiers are, uh, are experiencing aren't, they're not being given that chance to change fear into joy. Yes, just, just to own it. Um, at last year's IONS conference, uh, I brought a soldier, uh, a retired, um, helicopter pilot who I met at my Vietnam conference. We have one uh, reunion every year. And he was a patient and had had a significant injury. And we're just chatting. And he starts to tell me about this significant experience he had, which clearly was an NDE. And he tried to tell the doctors when he was, he had a a huge uh, head injury, he was taken back to Walter Reed and tried to discuss it at the time, and they didn't want to hear anything about it. So here we were 40 years later, and for the first time, he had an opportunity to talk about his experience and own that experience. He is a, a retired chaplain now. When he got out of the military, he became a chaplain, but you know, was never able to really own it or talk about it. Wow. You know, it's reminiscent of pilots who try to report seeing a UFO. They they quickly learn it will only get them in trouble to even talk about yeah. it, and so they don't. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so military chaplains aren't getting any uh, special training in how to deal with NDEs. No, yet, no. Yet. I, I think it, wow. it really, I, I did a, a talk down in San Antonio at Methodist Hospital, and a military psychologist came to the talk. And when I, fin- you know, it's a basic, here's what it is, here are the after effects, here are the things you can do. And she uh, said to me, you know, I am just irate. 
that I have never been given the education or this knowledge in my education. Why ha- are we not hearing about it in school, in, you know, continuing ed programs? And uh, she's absolutely right. How are they supposed to handle things if they have no idea about what's going on with some of these veterans? Right, exactly. Well, I guess this is where IONS can, can jump in uh, if we only had the resources. Um, We're... We're really hoping, I mean, and for the last couple of years, we've offered scholarships to vets. We want them to come to the conference. We want to give them um, whatever information we can. We've had a special um, email line, vethelp.com, uh, you know, and be able to talk to somebody about it. We want to help veterans at least be able to identify and give them information and do whatever we can to provide them some support. Mm. Did we get any uh, kind of a turnout from the vets uh, at our San Antonio uh, conference? We had some, um, and certainly more than we've had in the past. And so I think it's all part of the difficulty, the reluctance to talk about it, you know, the... Um, we've had some success with Vietnam vets, but we're still not seeing too many <clears throat> Iraqi and Afghanistan vets. We did see a couple, but I know there's thousands and thousands of them out there, and I hope one day, I think the problem is, we're you know, it's hard for us to get the word out to be able to um, let them know in any formal way, because it... it it's not going to happen through the formal um, eyes of the VA. And so mm. what we have to do is find some other way to give them information. Well, with the development of all the uh, new techniques and resuscitation, how many lives we're saving now on the battlefield, there's got to be a lot of stories out there. Oh, wonderful. I'm sure. Yeah. Now, um, I saw uh, just last month, uh, you had a discussion with vets um, discussing their NDEs and uh, was posted on YouTube in February. Uh, and then a, a talk you gave about the military during the 2010 IONS conference. I've been more talking than, about it a long time. Yeah. Well, that particular, that 2010 uh, video got more than 25,000 views. Oh, so really? I, I suspect there are military out there who are... Uh, you know, at least um, through YouTube, getting some information on the subject. It well, we have... hope that they are and, you know, that they'd be able to come to us um, because I don't think they're going to get it through their care at the VA. Um, I would love, we've really put together a educational package for the VA and military hospitals um, to be able to help the providers identify an NDE, and when I was on active duty, I spoke at lots of different military conferences, and, you know, people would call me, and so it was more out there back when than it seems to be now, and um, I hope that we will just keep uh, plugging down this road to try to give... um, military folks, any information and support we can. We're developing a uh, veteran video 
uh, that we're um, trying to, uh, we've got to start on it in a trailer and then trying to raise the money um, to continue uh, the development, which we would give to the VA and military um, and veterans uh, to be able to give them some accurate information. I was going to ask you about that. Is the trailer on our website? Um, it, it, it's, I think the trailer has been sent to all the board members. Um, I'm not sure if it's on the website my, uh, right now because it was, uh, had, it was the first edition of it and so we had some things we wanted corrected, but I'm sure it will be soon. And if somebody wanted to uh, con- make a contribution to the to the making of that video, how would they go about doing that? Um, just write or um, email IANS, IANS.org, um, and you can send a donation. Just market veterans video would be the way to start that. Well, maybe we could jump now into our... Uh, upcoming conference in Orlando, if you could tell us what's going to be happening there. Yes, we have a, a great conference this summer. Um, it'll be in July, the end of July, in Orlando, and we will have Anita Morjani, um, Maggie Callanan, and uh, Suzanne Geisman, and uh, really um, some wonderful keynotes. Uh, we have also, Lauren Bellish is going to be a keynote. She has just written a book about NDEs in the ICU. So it's going to have some new people that have never been there. And uh, a full array of other speakers on lots of different topics. And, of course, it's in a great place where people can bring their families and visit Disneyland after the conference. Um, so <laughs> yes. we're we're thinking it'll be uh, a a great time. As as you know, every time we have a conference, about a third of the people are brand new to IAN. and then there are people who have been experiencers and for the first time are coming to a conference, and for them it's life changing. Um, I can't tell you the number of letters or emails. I get about, oh, thank you so much for having these, and I just had no idea of the information or help or, you know, there's so many different topics and so many different experiences there that people get the opportunity to talk to. I know. The first uh, conference I went to, I was overwhelmed. There was, I think I've mentioned this on uh on the show before, but, uh, there was uh, someone fell down some stairs. You po- probably remember that. And, and, uh, so the experiencers were meeting and we all joined hands and to say a prayer for her recovery and the power of that circle of people, experiencers holding hands was amazing. It was so uh, electric. Um, I was, uh, I was very moved by it. And I think yeah. uh, other people have had that same experience with uh, just just by being in a room with 200 experiencers is pretty yeah, powerful. Yeah, pretty powerful. I I hear that from people about the electricity of the of the event, and um, I know that my friend um, 
the veteran who spoke for the first time last year, he was just overwhelmed with all the experiencers and the opportunities. And then we ha- probably have one of the best bookstores ever where if you want a book on NDEs, that's the place to get it. And mm-hmm. so they're walking out with arms full of books and a renewed sense of normalcy, uh, you know, that they've, they're they okay, that, you know, for the first time they're with folks that don't question anything, just just treat them as any other person who's had an NDE because there's so many there that he had. I know. Even the uh, little conversations that get going, you know, one-on-one in the hallways between uh, between sessions, uh, two people telling one another of uh, each other's experiences. Yeah. And uh, I think one year we even had a T-shirt that said, tell me, uh, I'll tell you my experience if you tell me yours. Yeah, yeah, but, they're very, very healing to be able to do that. Uh, there are going to be workshops this year? Yes, there will be several workshops. Anita's doing a workshop. Suzanne's doing a workshop. Maggie Callanan's doing a workshop. So there, and there are several other ones. Um, so we will have, um, different kinds of workshops. There's also, um, someone that's going to do workshops with children, a workshop for children. Oh, terrific. Uh, and their parents. So we, you know, we're hoping to be able to uh, identify some parents who would like to get better information on their children who have had NDEs, because of course they don't have the access that adults do, and sometimes parents don't quite know what to do about it. Right? Is PMH Shatwater going to be there? She will. She will. Mm-hmm. And, and is she working she, with the kids? She's going she... to help with this, and she also is giving a talk on children and NDEs. Uh, her research on that has been pretty amazing. Yeah, uh, there's nobody who's written more books and been more dedicated than PMH on the subject. <laughs> of course, she's an experiencer and has used that information to um talk to many many um children and adults about their NDEs. How about Nancy Bush is she going to be there? I don't um I don't know right now. Um mm-hmm. but I hope so. We always like to have Nancy there. Nancy talks about frightening NDEs, which we hear very little about, but certainly there are some folks that have them, and and she's the expert on that area. Yes, I was on a, a panel with her uh, a couple of years back in discussing uh, distressing NDEs, and she's a, an amazing resource for that. Yeah, um, yeah. She has a blog, I think, and and works on that for people interested. I'm not sure that I know what it is, but it probably would be easy to find on distressing NDEs. And uh, are we going to be broadcasting some of the uh, talks this year? Yes, yes. We'll have live streaming, so those people that can't get to the conference could certainly um, view it through live streaming, and you would get in touch with IANS.com and find out uh, all the particulars um, about live streaming. I imagine it will be on the registration. Uh, we had 
several people that did that last year, and I hope we'll have more for those people who just can't get there. How many conferences have you been involved with now, Diane? Oh, uh, I hate to say, I think this <laughs> is our 37th. Wow. I'm not sh- sure, and to my knowledge, I think I've only missed one. Um, I was overseas, of course, when I was in the Army. I came back for one that was in um, Georgetown, and uh, but I did miss another one, I believe, someplace back in the 80s. Mm. Where was the f- first one held? The first one, hmm, you know, I, in Connecticut, I think, but I'm not sure where the first one. We had someplace in our, um, it's a good idea, we should list them in a newsletter just uh, periodically to look at where we've been. We try to go back and forth across the United States, and we hope one day we'll have an international one as well. Yes. Um, was Raymond Moody part of the of the early conferences? Um, yes, um, you know all the founders were usually part of the early ones. Um, the person who's been probably the most uh, represented is uh, Bruce Grayson, who was the father of the research. Raymond's the father of um, really using the the name near-death experience, although we now know that it, it doesn't have to be near-death and it could be an illness or an accident or something like that. And Ken Ring's still involved. He often writes a, a note um, if we have something in the newsletter or something he's interested in, he'll write a note and let us know what's going on. Unfortunately, he doesn't travel anymore. Um, but he's still interested and out there um, paying attention. Yes. And I've always meant to ask you, did you ever have the chance to meet Elizabeth Kubler-Ross? I did. Um, She did a joint workshop um, and lecture years and years ago where I met her. She's an incredible woman, was certainly. Mm. I actually, (laughs) it was interesting because, when she came in, I would have not known who this person was. She kind of looked like a bag lady. And, you know, and then she walks up to the stage and has this incredible presence and lets us know, you know, all and starts talking about these things. It was absolutely wonderful. I've heard that she wanted to include... Um a chapter on near-death experience in her book, On Death and Dying, and the publisher didn't want to publish it. Oh, really? I'm, I'm, that might be true. That might yeah, that, be true. She, I don't know. He thought it was too far out for for yeah. her book. And, of course, her book is still used as a textbook in, um, in chaplaincy uh, studies and that sort of thing. Oh, I'm sure. And, you know, way back then, I, I think about when I got home from Vietnam and still had that uh, young man's experience ever forward in my mind. I mean, people thought I was nuts. There wasn't any books, any books written. Even Raymond's hadn't been written yet. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm starting to talk about this thing that I think is really important. And trust me, being in the military and starting to talk about this, I'm lucky probably that they kept me. <laughs> Didn't think I was really crazy. <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad that you keep talking about that first encounter that you had because I'm keeping my fingers crossed that one one day that soldier will turn up at your on your doorstep and say uh, that would be wonderful. It really would be. I, <laughs> because I've he he changed your life. Thought of why you know. I wish I had kept some of the contact information on patients. I just didn't think about it at the time. And uh, there's several I've often wondered about, but you never know. It's certainly a possibility. Well, you get so busy when you're doing that kind of work. I, As a chaplain, I can see 20 or 30 people a day, and uh, so to try and keep track of all of them would just be impossible. Yeah, and actually at the time, you know, we didn't, we we just didn't even think that that was a possibility, and they would go through the hospital so quickly because the idea is to get them patched up and get them out to the United States for further care. Yes. Now today I can go, whenever I hear of a code blue, go in and ask them if they happen to see anything on the other side, uh, and yeah. uh, people do People do respond. It's pretty amazing. Well, Diane, thank you so much. Uh, we're just about out of time for today. But um, uh, my thanks to Diane Corcoran for sharing the story of her work at IONS and with military experiencers. And uh, it's ongoing, and it's ongoing for her and for IONS as well. If anyone out there would like to listen to the show again or any other of our previous programs, including our interview with Diane back in January of 2014, please visit our website at nderadio.org. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.